Good morning. It's good to be here uh, to share with you a message that I believe uh, is so important for us to understand, and that is the idea of worship. And so I want to thank God for the opportunity to be here with my friend, uh, Brother Scott and the staff today. It's been an awesome experience already this morning. Uh, we had a great time. And I pray today that as we speak today about worship, that we really leave here today with some tangible things that we can hold on to. Uh, that we'll be able to use in our lives on a daily basis. Amen? Amen. Today, I want to complete or uh, finish the series that uh, Pastor Scott started last week, Re Resonate, a Lifestyle of Worship. And I, I believe last week, Scott talked uh, from the topic of the love of worship. And today, I want to use for a topic, the wow of worship, the W-O-W, -W, wow of worship. I'll be reading in your hearing today, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or I'm sure the verses will be on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, I beseech you, the word beseech means to urge, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The wow of worship. Heard some of Scott's message from last week, and one of the things that I believe that really stuck with me is the point he made about worship is a choice. And he, he talked about the idea of every day, all of us choose to worship something, whether we are believers or unbelievers, all of us choose to worship something. Uh, we bow down in the presence of that thing or that person. And he gave us a definition for worship, and he gave us two words. And the words are, worship is love expressed. Worship is love express through our thoughts, our words, and our actions, we will find a way to express love to that thing or to that person, whatever the case may be. Uh, but in our case, as believers, we want to express the love that we have for our amazing Creator. We ought to stand in awe of what God is and what God has done uh, in our lives, and, and more so, uh, just who He is ought to cause us every day we wake up in the morning to express our love for God. That love ought to resonate. The things that God has done, who He is, ought to resonate within our hearts and minds. And I thought about the word resonate. Resonate means having a single lasting sound or feeling, a, a, a consistent rhythm, a reoccurring theme uh, over and over and over and over. I'm a musician, I'm a producer, and I love to hear certain songs. And certain songs just resonate within my heart and mind. I wake up on, in the morning, I'm singing that song. You've been there before, you have something that just, uh, it's a reoccurring theme in your heart and your mind. You can't shake it. It just won't let you go. That's how it ought to be with our worship to, to God. So love expressed, um, uh, falling in deeper in love every morning. When we think about wow, I want you to think about those things that make you go, wow. <laughs> that amazing jump shot, all right? That amazing sunset, what, whatever it is. Or that, that, that relationship, that person you just can't stay away from, mm, 
They say, wow. You're consumed by their love. You're consumed by their, their words. You just hang on to everything, right? We bow down. We, we will give our total attention. Matter of fact, we will change our destination to go to that thing that we love, <laughs> that thing that makes us say, wow. I want you to think about that, that thing that makes you speechless. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. But I want you to think about as a believer today, if we could change that a bit and tweak that a bit and begin to show that same affection and affinity that we do to that person or that thing, we show it to God. We, we, we begin to show that, that uh, affinity to God, that, that thing that consumes your thoughts, your time, and your treasures, that thing that you would do anything for, that thing that you would, you, you would spend your last on, that you would probably lie, steal, or cheat for. <laughs> I want you to think that. I want you to get that image in your brain right now because as we talk through this message today, that is what we're going to talk about, this wow factor, that thing that amazes you, that just, you know, you will, you will just give whatever for that person or that thing. Matter of fact, you will say yes. Because Scott said worship is defined as love expressed. And when I thought that through a little bit uh, longer, I began to think about this idea of worship is saying yes. It's a matter of saying yes or responding to God as a believer. Now remember, unbelievers worship things also. But as a believer, we're called to say yes to God, to respond to God, to give our total lives, our total beings to the creator of, of heaven and earth. Someone said this, gold has more worshipers than God. Once you to think about that for a minute. That money, that, that cash, those cars, those clothes, those creature comforts, you know, have more worshipers than God. There's another uh, old preacher by the name of D.L. Moody. He says this, Satan doesn't care what we worship as long as we don't worship God. Satan does not care who we worship as long as we don't worship God. Now, let me just stop right here. Let me just pause and put that thing down a little bit. And let me just talk to you a little bit. Because I want to right here give you the crux of the message today when we're talking about this wow and being in awe of God. I, I want you to think about for a moment, and I hope I don't offend anybody today, but I just want to use this illustration. Those of you who are uh, Golden State Warriors fan, you are losing. <laughs> you are losing. The Raptures are doing it. Go Raptures. But I want you to think about this for a minute. I play a little basketball. My dad is here. He tried to get on the court a couple weeks ago. We tore him up. You know, couldn't, he couldn't hang. But I want you to think about this. If, 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 if Steph Curry, the, the, with the Warriors, if Steph Curry was looking to build a team, and he, he's probably one of those guys that really want to win, right? He, he, he wants to win. He don't want to lose. He wants to win. And if Steph Curry's trying to build a team, he would probably get people. And even if it was people here in his time, in his day and time, age, or he had the option of going back in the day and getting some old uh, basketball players who were great, he would probably pick people like, of course, Michael Jordan. He would pick Kobe Bryant, right? 
He would go get some, some other players. He'd probably choose Clay Thompson because, you know, they'd just be raining those threes, right? They probably wouldn't consider me. <laughs> I think I'm pretty good, right? In my own mind. I'm a legend in my own mind. I think I do pretty good, but if he was sitting back watching me play basketball, he probably wouldn't pick me because he really wanted, he really wanted to win. But I want you to flip that and really think about this God of heaven and earth. This God of creation who made the worlds unknown. This God who created the stars, who, who created uh, you and I, this God, uh, King of kings and Lord of lords, he decided to use you and I on his team. Now you think about that for a minute, that God chose to use those of us who are frail human beings to represent him on his team. Now, he didn't go get the superstars. He didn't go get uh, the elite because if you, the truth of the matter is, there are no superstars that we're all sinners saved by grace, that God was in his own reason and his own uh, time chose to use us. He chose, number one, to save us. He chose to elect us, to choose us to be on his team because, secondly, he loved us. With an unconditional love, can't fall too much, can't fail too far, can't do any of those things that God would not love us. God chose us, uh, he saved us, he loves us, and then, watch this, he uses us on his team to represent him throughout the earth and give him glory. Now, I don't know about you. But just like Steph would try to get people or choose people who, who, who he can win with, I'm the same way. I would have chosen some folk that I know were going to do the job. But God, rich in mercy, rich in grace, said, you know what? It's not anything that they can do to impress me. There's nothing that those, the, the people that Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that says that the, the Elohim, the Godhead, got together and said, you know what? Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, to represent and to radiate my glory throughout the earth. There was nothing that we could ever have done because the decision to choose us and to make us a part of his team was done before the foundation of the world. I, I'm trying to get you to understand today that at the end of the day, that that ought to be a big wow that the God of creation chose, chooses to use us. Amen. He chooses to use us in, in view of all who we are and who we're not. And, and, and all he's saying is, I want you to worship me. Paul in Romans chapter 12, he starts out in the verses that I read in your hearing, and he says, I beg you, or I beseech you, or I, I urge you, by the mercies of God. Now, you have to understand what Paul is doing as he's setting chapter 12 up. He's making an appeal to not unbelievers, but to those who are believers. Those who are Christians, Paul is making this appeal and says, I urge you, I beseech you by the mercies of God. And what Paul is doing is allowing the people, or, or encouraging the people to look back to chapters 1 through 11. And if you have time today or throughout, throughout this week, go and read chapters 1 through 11 in Romans chapter 1, and you're going to see all the amazing things that God did for you and I, for his people, that we really didn't deserve. 
And then in, in chapter 11, verses 33 through 36, Paul uses this word over and over and over again, or this phrase he uses in chapter 11, verses 33 through 36, and the phrase is, the mercies of God. I have the privilege as a professor and a speaker to teach classes around the country, and one of the classes that I love teaching uh, is the class uh, called Bible Study Methods. And in the Bible study methods class, there are a few steps that are involved in Bible interpretation. The first step is the step called observation. Observation. What do I see? What does the text say? What do I see in this particular text? And when I read chapter 12, starting at verse 1, I teach the students this. Don't skip over a word or a phrase just because you're trying to make a point uh, on your own. Because I want you to understand and interpret the passage according to its original context. All right? Then we make the application. So observation is key. And so in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul starts out and says, I beseech you, or I urge you, therefore. That word, if you underline that or circle that in your Bible or in your mind, that word therefore is therefore a reason. <laughs> Don't miss that. Because what Paul is doing with this, this audience is trying to direct their attention back to chapters 1 through 11 to show them the mercies of God. That God, not because we were good enough, not because we were smart enough, not because we had enough money, that God, because of His mercy, His compassion, He chose to save us, to seal us, to love us, to allow us to serve on His winning team. Isn't that amazing? So he says, in response, you ought to be wowed by that. You ought to be amazed by God and his awesomeness. In response, Paul says this in chapter, one, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here we go. Give you two main points with some sub points, and we'll be done. We'll be ready to go see the Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors. All right. Here we go. Surrendering and separating. Surrendering and separating. First, Paul encourages these believers to surrender. He says, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You and I, every morning that God allows us to open our eyes to see a brand new day, we ought to submit our bodies, our lives to God willingly. Shouldn't be any coercion, shouldn't be any, you know, you know, you ought to get God pray. Even when we come to this place of worship, which is one of the aspects, I know Scott talked about last week, you know, we many times uh, bottle or uh, contain worship to a certain period of time or to a location. That's good, but that's not all it is. That you and I are called to worship. So every morning we open our eyes, there should be a, 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 an, a sense of awe that God, of who God is and what He's done. Every, let me just tell you my ritual. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing, and I'm telling you, uh, the first thing I do is say, God, thank you for this day. God, use me. That person that's going to come my way that don't know you, Use me as an instrument to resonate, to represent your glory so that this person may be drawn to you. 
Paul says, I'm urging you by the mercies of God because of his compassion, because of his love, the undeserved love that he gives us, that we ought to submit ourselves to God willingly, but not only willingly, humbly. We do it because of his mercy. We're not prideful. We shouldn't be prideful. There should be no person that's a Christian that names the name of Christ that should walk around with an attitude of pride. No. Because we understand that our lives are not our own. <laughs> that we don't belong to ourselves. That we belong to God, the creator of worlds unknown. The one who hung the sun in the sky, the moon in the sky, the stars, and they're still in place. God has allowed us to be on his team. And so the least thing I should do is just say, you know what, God, here I am. Use me today because I'm in awe of you. I do it willingly. But I present, Paul says, present your bodies. What does present mean? It means to give or to offer. We, we shouldn't be forced to give our lives to God. So what does that look like? That means in your business. That means in your marriage. That means uh, as, a, as a parent, as a child, uh, w- uh, as a friend, whatever that looks like, we ought to be saying, you know what, God, use me to resonate, to, to, to represent your glory within the earth because I want to I wanna worship you. I'm, I'm so amazed at what you've done for me, and I want to make sure, God, that you're using me to the fullest. We present our lives to God as living sap- sacrifices. So surrendering means we do it humbly, we do it willingly, but also we do it properly. He says a certain way. We offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a literal sacrifice, because in the Old Testament, the high priest, the only one who was um, consecrated and allowed to go into the most holy place. He had to go in there a certain way. He had to offer the sacrifices a certain way. He had to, uh, uh, as those sacrifices would come in, you have to understand the Old Testament picture picture is this. The sacrifice uh, that the priest would be offering it meant at least a few things. They would put that sacrifice on an altar. That altar would uh, include cutting the sacrifice per God's requirements. Not only was there cutting involved, but there was blood. There had to be some blood coming out, right? It was a, a bloody scene. But then lastly, that was fire. That, that, that sacrifice had to be consumed, but the point I'm making is that the sacrifice had to be brought a certain way. They couldn't do it the way they wanted to do it, right? They couldn't bring a, a, a blind sacrifice, a lame sacrifice, a half sacrifice. They had to bring a whole sacrifice. Every morning we wake up, it should be a worship service, and we ought to give our whole lives. Well, God, I'm going to just give you an hour on Sunday, and that's pretty much all I'm going to do in the I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to lift my hands, right? I'm going to do all these things on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, I get to do what I want to do. Uh-uh. That's not what God is saying. Paul is not urging these people to do it, get it done in, in, a, in a one day or a part of a worship service. No, every day is a worship service. Every day God allows our eyes to open to see a brand new day. It's a worship. So God, here I am, and I want to give you everything. I want to do it right. I want to give me, because the sacrifice that the priest would offer was the victim. But every morning you and I become the victim. What does that look like 
As we leave here today, we go to our schools, we go to our homes, we go to our, our church, our, 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 our businesses. What would that look like? How much more impactful would our witness be? How many more people would be saved and, and drawn to the, the, the cause of Christ? Paul encourages these people. He says, listen, brothers, surrender willingly. Surrender properly, but you need to also surrender sensibly. He says, I, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Here we go. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. Your Bible may say, uh, re instead of reasonable service, your Bible may say spiritual service of worship. I wanted to choose the, the King James, New King James Version because I thought it just really, it just punches us, right? It helps it to resonate. <laughs> you, the sensible thing to do for a God who's the creator of worlds unknown, who's allowed us to wear his jersey, Christian, huh, who's allowed us to be on his winning team every day. The sensible thing to do is to offer ourselves as a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God because of what God requires. This is how he says we need to go about doing it in our three ways, thoughts, our words, and our deeds. Our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. As a holy sacrifice, the reasonable thing to do is to do it the way God requires. Now, what happens when we don't do things the way God requires? When we, we make God too common. Well, God, you know, I did it yesterday, but today I'm not feeling well. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I want to give her or him a piece of my mind. You probably haven't said that, but I know some people who have. I want to give you a piece of my mind. No, you don't, you know, it's not your mind, right? As a, as a believer, as a Christian, the, the Scripture encourages us, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 2. We have a, a, a new mind. And so we ought to, the sensible thing is not to make God too common, or when we don't live in awe of God, we, we, we will search for things to fill our lives that don't even matter. We bow down to those things. That's what worship is. It's a bowing down. You know what? I, I submit, I surrender my life to that thing. Well, when we do that and we surrender and submit our life to things that don't matter, we lose. And God lose out on the worship from us. He's going to get it from the angels. He's going to get it from the, the creation. But the idea is that, wow, why would I allow those rocks to cry out for me? He woke me up this morning. He gave you the activities of your limbs. He allowed us to be together once again. Why would I give my worship and attention to anything else? Paul is saying, no, give it all. Give yourselves, make it holy, make it sacred and set apart, and make it acceptable to God because the idea is I want to get close to God. I mean, is there anybody here this morning that just want to get close to God? You say, you know what? I, I'm tired of the distractions. Those distractions are really temporal because the only thing that matters, brothers and sisters, is this, eternity. And we prepare for eternity in time. Paul says, I, I want you to give, submit your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service. Put down the idols, those things that you are erecting up in your life. No, that's not going to work. Chapters 1 through 11. But not only is he's, he's calling them to surrender some things, but, se- but lastly, Paul is saying to these people in verse 2 that there should be some separating. So there should be some surrendering our lives in a certain way, but now we're separating. Well, you're saying, Daryl, we live in the world. How can I separate? Yeah, we're in the world, but what's, watch this. We're not of the world. We have a different agenda. We have a different focus. And so Paul says it like this. He says, I... I urge you, I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Separate. Don't be conformed to this world. What does the idea of conforming mean? The idea of conforming uh, has the idea of taking the mold of something or assuming the mold of something. So water will take the mold or the shape of whatever it is, uh, whatever it is poured into. Paul is saying, listen, don't be fooled. The world will encourage and entice you to come on over here and to think like this. Because guess what? Just like the quote we read earlier, that Satan doesn't care what we worship as long as we don't worship God. But the call today as Christians is that we are called to do what? To change our mind, the idea, and we do it intentionally. We separate ourselves from the world and the world's thought and the world's mindset intentionally. The word conform means to form to the mold of something, but the word, the word world means uh, this world system, this age, or the mindset that's so prevalent within our, within our day. We wouldn't have to talk long for us to really understand what the mindset of the world is as it relates to God and worshiping God and being in awe of God. They don't care. It's not on their agenda. It's not on their priority list. They have a priority list. I'm going to do this, 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 right? I'm going to do all that. Check, 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 check. Nothing on there has to do with God. Paul is saying, no, because of everything that God uh, has done for you, who he is, our mindset as believers is to do what? It's to change our mind intentionally, to separate ourselves in a way that that will please and honor God because the world doesn't care about who God is and they will settle on giving God nothing. Some of us can live 70, 80, 90 years on this earth and we have um, done a lot success-wise, very successful, have a lot going for us, But at the end of the day, is all of those things, or all all of those things that you and I have done, do they really matter? Was God really glorified in that decision that you made? Was God really glorified in that relationship that you have? Because, saints, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters 
and that should keep us worshiping God as a, as a person who reflects on his glory and on what he's done to draw us and to save us and to uh, allow us to be on his winning team. The only thing that matters is that we are in fellowship and aligned properly with him and we're doing our worship and we're giving God worship intentionally. Nobody should have to force us even when we're in a worship service. No, sh- nobody should have to say, you know what, give him glory. No. That don't make sense. Because at the end of the day, we begin to remember and we begin to reflect. Paul says, don't be conformed to what the world is doing because the world don't care. The world, the, their mindset is what, it, it, whatever, right? They put up the hand. You talking about that church stuff or that holy stuff and all, and all that stuff? Man, I don't, I don't, that's not important to me. But as believers, it should be important to us. But he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be, circle this word, transform, and this underline this phrase, by the renewing of your mind. The word transform is the word metamorphosis. It, 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 it means having a total change from the inside out. Some of us are trying to change our lives from the outside, and we're looking good, right? We, we, we're doing some good stuff, but those things are not, don't have any eternal uh, significance. Paul is encouraging these people, based on what the God of creation has done, allow him to change your thoughts, your mind, your attitude, right? Become transformed from the inside out. The, The phrase renewing your mind has the idea of renovating one's thoughts, feelings, and will. It really represents a change of of lifestyle. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon today, I want you to think about these three things. As we are, every morning is a worship service. We wake up, we see a brand new day. We thank God for him and allowing us to see this day. We ask God to use us and to change and to use us in three ways with our thoughts, our words, and our actions. We had the privilege of being in the car with my wife and my dad yesterday. And we were uh, driving along, minding our own business. And somebody almost hit us, right? Cut, cut in front of us. And so uh, they did that. You know what happens when, when uh, people uh, are driving out, out on the highway and on the streets of Houston and they cut in front of some of us. What do we do? We kind of give them the, the finger, I mean, the, the elbow, right? <laughs> we give them the elbow, man, right? Get on, you know, right? And then we give them the elbow and then we start just... And you want them to know that you're angry, <laughs> right? Well, yesterday, um, we were driving along, and it was kind of like, you know, uh, dad and, and wifey was like, you know, man, that person almost hit us. I said, let me, let me tell y'all my story. Tell y'all why I don't do that anymore, why I don't give them the elbow, right? Or I don't, you know, go off on them. I said this. When my grandmother, I was raised by my grandparents, and my grandmother passed away about six years ago. <laughs> At the latter part of her life, she was real sickly. And my wife and I live in Rosenberg, but grandmother lives over in South Park, lived in South Park over there by NRG Stadium. And we would, ha- we would get calls and we would have to run from, Re- from Rosenberg over to South Park or run to St. Luke's, run to Methodist. Oh, it was, it, was, it was crazy. But during those days, in the latter part of her life, I cut off some people trying to get the grandma. I um, ran some red lights, which could have caused some accidents trying to get the grandma. 
I did a lot of stuff trying to get to grandma because I love grandma and I'm like, man, I'm hurting and I need to make sure I'm there, you know. I did a lot of stuff. And it was like the Holy Spirit, I'd never forget this. It was like the Holy Spirit said, you know what? The next time somebody cuts you off, pray for them. Don't give them the elbow. Don't say anything because I'm sure that when you did that, they, they said some things, right? But you don't, they didn't know where you were going. They didn't know the emergency that you had. So when I flipped that, I'm like, well, even yesterday and the other days, I don't know what those people are going through. And so what I've decided to do is say, you know what? I want to not say things that are, that are wrong. What I do when that people cut me off, I pray for them. I, I literally do. God, wherever they're trying to go, whatever's going on in their life, I pray that you will be glorified, that you will bless them and change that situation. That's a way to honor God in our thoughts and our words and in our actions. You can put out any template, whatever that looks like in your life. My thing is this, in our thoughts, words, and actions, we want to intentionally separate ourselves from what the th things of the world, what they're doing. Why? Because we're humble that God has us on his team. And God may use you or I as vessels to, to get someone to Christ. So we do it, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lastly, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the idea of convincingly. We separate ourselves because we're worshiping God. We're wild about what he's done in our lives. We do it intentionally and convincingly. The world should know that you and I are worshipers of Christ. There should be no question that should be no question because the will of God is that we should worship him. There should be no question that we are worshipers of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You might not feel special today, but you're God's special people. If you're saved, you're a believer, you're his own special person, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Listen, saints, <laughs> you and I have something special that the flowers, the birds, the bees didn't get. We got it because we made in his image. We bear his image, and God is calling us to reflect his glory. And, but, but we have to understand that worship is a part of that. our lives, not just the time that we come to worship, but our lives ought to be given to God. We ought to be saying yes to God every day we wake up. It's love expressed. That love ought to resonate throughout our hearts and minds every day. When that happens, not only will you be changed, but there are some people around you that may be changed because of it. Remember growing up, well, just a few years ago, there used to be a TV show that came on. I used to love to, to get home to watch it. Uh, it was called Extreme Makeovers Home Edition. Anybody remember that? Extreme Makeovers Home Edition. <laughs> you would see a couple who had a tore down raggedy house and they would be interviewed and, and, and the producers of this particular show would take this family and talk to them and let them know, hey, this is what we're going to do to your house. We're going to send you on a little vacation. Then when you come back, your house is going to be brand new. 
right? So you get to the end of the show, and as you're at the end of the show, this family comes back home in a limo, right? People, the whole uh, uh, neighborhood is out there celebrating with uh, this family. But then uh, the family can't see the, uh, the, the, new, the new house, the renovated house, because there's a bus blocking their view. And so uh, the producers, Ty and all those guys will get out there and say, are you ready to see your new house, right? You ready to see, you know how they be? yeah, let's do it. They cried, oh, they hugging one another, right? They're just so excited. And so at the end of the day, they say, well, this is what you got to say. You have to say, driver, move that. Y'all know that. Y'all seen the show. <laughs> move that bus. And then, you know, the camera would be, dun, dun, dun. you know, they would go like this. And then the camera would show where the bus would move. And, you know, the neighborhood, the family, everybody would jump up excited because now that they see that new house, that property that was once old and tore down, now it's brand new. But the only way they could see that property, they had to, say, move that bus. What's the point? Every morning that God allows you and I to wake up, whatever those obstacles, right, that are in our lives, not just in the morning, but throughout the day, as we're going throughout the day, we ought to be just like those people. We ought to be like, Move that bus because God has already moved it in your life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf and my behalf, we ought every morning just say, you know what, God, I, I stand in awe of who you are, God of creation. I love you. I'm going to serve you today. And whatever obstacle that's standing in my way, it's gone. Because what you did for me on Calvary, huh, over 2,000 years ago, you, you moved something, that, that sin that was separating me. You tore the veil of the temple that was separating me from going to the Holy of Holies. Brothers and sisters, if you are saved today, you can go into the Holies of Holies and worship God. But we have to understand that he's worthy. So the question as I, as I leave you today, do you understand all that God has done for you? Because if you really understand, wow, your worship will turn to praise. You would start clapping your hands and raising your hands and doing the dance, whatever you want to do. Why? Because you're excited about everything that God has done for you because of his grace and his mercy. You ought to just give him some praise right there. Give him praise right there because he is good and he's worthy. Let me pray for us.